turn into a hairy one, okay? Um, but uh, but, the, but here, here's the thing, is that um, if you've been married for longer than, I don't know, 20 minutes, um, you know that there's a big difference between how men communicate and how women communicate, right? Big, just like huge differences. In fact, my guess is most of the arguments that you've gotten into have not been about the words that you've used. In fact, she would say it this way. It's not what you said, it's... So you've had this conversation before, apparently, right? And, uh, and, and it's, just, it's amazing, right? Because it, it, I think that just the way we communicate just shows how different we are. And, and the challenge is not just saying, well, I guess we communicate differently, but it's really understanding how we communicate. And, and, and really, uh, the communication is so much more than just talking. It's uh, speaking in a way that the other person really understands and, and is uh, spoken to in a way that really resonates with them. Uh, because it's amazing to me that just, um, you know, the same words can be spoken in totally different ways, right? I mean, if you take four words, right, uh, can you help me, right, four, four simple words, but you can communicate those and just the tone of your voice will totally change what it means, right? So if you just say, oh, can you help me? Now you're, you're, you're communicating something. But if I say, <laughs> can you help me? Well, now, oh, well, now you're communicating something else. But see, if later this evening your wife shows up, you know, and, uh, and, and she says to you, husband, and she's dressed in something kind of, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and she says to you, can you help me? Right? Now that is saying something else. And she is going to help you find out what Victoria's secret actually is. All right? And uh, now, so, here, so, that's, so the, 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 the issue is this, right? So this is what I want to drill down on, what we spend our time talking about on this Mother's Day. Um, I want to talk about, and I want to look at how God has communicated to us differently as husbands and as wives. Not only how we communicate with each other, that's part of it, but the roles, responsibilities that we've been communicated to by God to us. You see, uh, all the new stats are out, you know, I mean, they're always doing these studies and it's, it's kind of been typical, you know, 50% of marriages end in divorce, but like the newest one is at 52% of marriages end in divorce. So we're, we're kind of going in a different direction that within we, what we want to do is. And so what we want, what I want to do is spend some time talking about what God has to say about marriage, about family. And some of you have been here for a while. Some of you are new. This is your first time here. And we're so glad that you're here. Um, but some of you have been here for a while. You've heard me give different talks on um, and messages on marriage and family. And I believe this is the one of the most important ones that I've ever shared. Because what I want to do in our time together is really drill down on kind of giving you, if I can, the secret that makes marriage work. And, and, and I will say this and, and readily admit, it's much easier to say than it is to do. But I believe that if we'll do it, we'll experience harmony in our home peace in our marriage, uh, and at the same time, we'll experience um, just this empowerment by God in our lives. And so, so you say, well, what is it? What's this thing you want to tell us? And, here, and here's what I believe. Is, um, and, and that it, it's this. It's that the secret to a great marriage is to center your marriage on the gospel. The secret to a great marriage is to center your marriage on the gospel. Well, what does that mean? The gospel, the, the uh, crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Say, well, how in the world does a person do that? And that's what I want to focus our time on because what, I, what I've learned is this, is that I've spent now almost 15 years working with couples. And what I've, not only here, but even previous to, to being at Calvary, is that um, what I've seen is that most couples don't actually have marriage problems. Um, Christian couples that come in, what they really have 
is discipleship problems. See, Jesus would say it this way. I put it in your notes. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. That the call of a Christian to follow Jesus is this. It's you've got to take up your cross. It's, 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 a, it's about denying yourself, self-sacrifice for the sake of someone else. And see, the day that we learn that marriage isn't about what we get out of it, but instead doing uh, what God wants us to do, and it's about, hey, how do I honor God in this relationship, and how do I actually honor the person that I'm married to, our relationships will be much healthier. Now, let me just say this at the outset, right? And that is that some of the things that I share with you today are going to rub you the wrong way. And I just want you to know I know that. I want you to know that you know that. I want you to know that we know that. And I want you to know it's okay. Because we're going to wrestle through some stuff. And you'll be like, I can't believe he said that. And that kind of bothers me. And that seems kind of archaic. And, and that's... And now, I'll tell you this. I didn't make it all. I didn't make this up. I'm actually getting this from the Bible. And um, so... But I'm a firm believer. And I'll say this. Some of the stuff that I'm going to share is a lot easier said than done, as I mentioned before. But I do believe... That if we will do the right thing, the feelings will follow. Too often, one of the things that we do is we'll say, well, man, when I'm feeling it, then I'll do it. In fact, I encourage you to do just the opposite. I encourage you to start doing it. And then once you start doing the right thing, the feelings follow. So what I want to do is invite you to open up your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 3. Or if you have your smartphone, you can open up your Bible app to 1 Peter chapter 3. Or if you didn't you realize they, they even had Bible apps, you can download the app now, and then you can have it ready within the next couple minutes. But it's going to be 1 Peter chapter 3. And let me just share this with you while you're opening your stuff and all that. Um, we started this series a few weeks ago that's called Becoming. And the whole idea behind it is this, is that there, every single person, doesn't matter if you're young, you're old, you're a man, you're a woman, doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. All of us, we have this person that we want to become. There's this ideal that we want to reach. There's this changes that we want to make from who we are currently to who we want to ultimately become. And so the challenge is, this is where we are, but there's a person that we want to become. And, and the other part is, is, how do I get from here to there? And so Peter, who is probably Jesus' most famous disciple, talks to us in his book, he talks to us about the road from here to there. And if you've been tracking with us over the last few weeks, or even if you haven't, this road that he's taken us on has taken some twists, some turns that, that we thought it maybe wouldn't get to. And now we're going to get to this place where he's going to talk to, talk to us about marriage. And he's going to talk to wives, and he's going to talk to husbands. And, uh, and, and I believe it's an amazing thing that he's going to talk about. Now, I've got to tell you this as we get started. Um, and that is, um, th- there's seven verses we're going to cover, okay? Six of them are directed towards wives. One of them directed towards the men. Now, you can do with that information what you will, okay? But I, I don't know. I think some of it is because women are probably a little better at following direction than men. You know, and it's like if you tell, you know, guys, I want to tell you about eight things. They're like, I'm leaving those directions. I can build this thing myself. And so I think knowing that, he says, you guys, here's one thing. You do that, you're going to be all right. And then to the ladies, like, all right, we're going to get a little more detail here, and this is going to help you. So anyway, we're going to start verse 1 of chapter 3. Here's what it says. He says, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe uh, your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. And if you pause there and give me your attention, here's the first thing that I want to share with you. And that is this, if you're taking notes, there's three things. Here's the first one, that we are different. Men and women are different in our marriage roles. Now, I'm going to tell you right now um, that, you know, my position, that I believe in male leadership, 
The Bible teaches that men are called to lead in the home. And while this may upset some, I promise I didn't make it up. And, uh, and, and, and now here's the thing. And every time I teach on this, uh, I teach about, you know, this whole idea of wives submitting to their husbands and husbands loving their wives. It always reminds me of the story that a pastor told me. Um, this, he's kind of an old school guy. And uh, one time he was teaching on that verse about, you know, wives submit to your husbands. And then at, uh, at the back door, his, as was his custom, after he was done preaching, he'd go to the back door and, and shake hands and greet everyone on their way out. And uh, on the, the day he spoke about that, there was this kind of rather large woman. She wore this big flowery hat. Um, and as she was walking out, she shook his hand and she said, Pastor, after hearing that message, if you were my husband, I would put poison in your coffee. And the pastor, he, kinda, he was the guy who wore glasses, so he kind of like moved his glasses down and looked at her from above the glasses. And he said, and he moved and he said, Madam, if you were my wife, I would drink it. And uh, so, you know, so there you have it. Um, so let's, um, so here's what I want to do. What I want to do is, uh, if I, I want to talk about the biblical role of men and women. But to do that, we got to take a running start to where Peter is. Peter's writing to people who had a really um, robust understanding of the Old Testament. So for us to really um, grasp the depth of what he's talking about, we need to take a running start. So I want to take you all the way back to the beginning, uh, to Genesis. And then we'll make our running leap to where, to where Peter is now. So let's start in Genesis chapter 2. It's in your notes. And in Genesis 2, here's what God says. He says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. So when God is, is creating everything, he looks on at all of creation, and he can't find anything that is the equal of Adam. And he says, You know what I've got to do is I've got to make a helper for Adam. Now, please don't think when I, when I say helper that I'm thinking of like an assistant or, you know, something like that. That's not what's... Uh, in, in Hebrew, the word for helper is the word um, ezer konegdo. Now, it's, it's kind of... A, it's a very robust word uh, in Hebrew, but it's ezer konegdo. And that term ezer konegdo is most used of God himself. Uh, I'll give you an example from the Psalms, Psalm 54. It says, surely God is my ezer konegdo. God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. And so, being the helper... So, if you, God creates this woman... And so, obviously, the man being by himself, there was, things that he, there was something he was missing. So that's why God brings the woman now to him. And listen, that means as a wife that there are resources and strengths that you're bringing into your marriage that uh, the, the husband, you know, that the man does not possess. The other thing that's important to note is that, um, and sometimes people misunderstand the message of Christianity and the message of, of, a, of a Christian marriage is because they think, well, that just mean, they, they're just meaning that they're chauvinistic and they just mean that they think that men are better than women. Not at all. In fact, the Bible teaches just the opposite, that men and women are equal in the sight of God. However, men and women have been given different responsibilities within the context of marriage. Men are given the context of leadership and responsibility. Why is that? Because in the very first relationship... The man, what he tried to do was put, you know, kind of cast off his responsibility when things became problematic. When mankind falls into sin, right, you know, when they eat of the tree that they weren't supposed to eat, God confronts Adam and he blames everyone but himself. In fact, let me show you the verses and I'll explain it. It says, And the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And so he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded 
you that you should not eat. And the man said, the woman that you gave to be with me, she gave to me and I ate. Well, I mean, uh, you know, it's not like a ton of nuance there, but, you know, you can see that he's, um, it's amazing to me that he's, he's confronted by God. Adam, what did you do? Did you eat of this tree that I told you not to eat? And he's like, well, you know, now you got to understand when he created this woman, these people are living in paradise, right? They're, li- they're living in paradise. They're, there's no need for clothing. And so God brings this beautiful, naked woman to Adam and just says, enjoy paradise. You know, let me know if you need me. You know what I mean? It's just like, have fun. And so then they fall into sin and all this. And so Adam says, you know, it's like, well, what's the problem here? Well, you know, it's not really my fault. You brought me this beautiful naked woman and I couldn't resist her. I'm really just a victim of circumstance here. And, uh, and, and so what he does, this is what God does. He then clarifies the marriage roles. And what he says to the man is, you are the responsible party. From now on, and I had the verse there in your outline, you can read later, and that becomes the, the main issue. And he says to, to the man, you are now responsible no matter what. You see, one of the reasons why couples have conflict is because they aren't, under, they aren't understanding each other, and they certainly don't understand the roles in which they've been given by God. Men and women are different. And what we need to do um, is celebrate it, enjoy it. That doesn't mean that, well, if, if that means that the man is, is responsible and he's the leader, then women are just going to be a doormat. Not the case. You see, what, well, we're going to talk about this in a minute. But um, when we talk to the, to the men, the, the call of a godly man in a marriage is so incredibly high. That he's given responsibility, and at times, it's like the man, we'd say, like, man, do I really want to take this kind of responsibility? But if you're married, you're called to it. And see, what God is looking for is for a man that is accountable, responsible, and godly, because he is the one that's going to give an account to God for his leadership. Now, God, he's still, uh, Peter is still speaking to the women, so let me give you the next passage here, and then we'll explain it, and then we'll talk to the men. Um, this is verse 3. Do not let your adornment merely be outward arranging of hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel, but rather let it be the beauty or the, the person, uh, the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, trying to get Carrie to do that. She's not into it. Um, <laughs> Uh, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. And if you pause there and give me your attention, here's the second thing I want to share with you. And that is that men and women are different. The second thing is, is that women are called to godly submission. Now, what does that mean? What is godly submission? And, and sometimes um, we have this idea of, of what it is and what we think it is, it actually isn't. So what I want to do is give you a picture of what it is not, and then we can build from there. So let me have you watch this of what it is not. Am I not all you dreamed I would be? Oh, you're fine. Beautiful. It's just that if we're going to be married, I thought we should talk to each other, get to know each other. Ever since I was born, I've been trained to serve you. 
Yes, I know this. But I would like to know about you. What do you like to do? Whatever you like. <laughs> what kind of music do you like? Whatever kind of music you like. Look, I know what I like. And I know you know what I like because you were trained to know what I like. But I would like to know what you like. For instance, do you have a favorite food? Yes. Good! What is your favorite food? Whatever food you like. This is impossible. Listen, from this moment on, I command you not to obey me. No. Are you saying that no matter what I tell you to do, you will do? Yes, Your Highness. Anything I say you do? Yes, Your Highness. Bark like a dog. A big dog. Hop on one leg. Make a noise like an orangutan. Ah! I see the two of you are getting along. Excuse me, buddy, for a moment. So, all right, we can establish that that's what it's not, okay? And so what Peter does is then he, he talks about, this is what godly submission looks like, and he, uh, he uses this story that everyone in that culture would have understood, which is kind of the, one of the most famous couples in all of Jewish history, which is Abraham and Sarah, the patriarchs of Judaism. And if you know the stories uh, in the Old Testament of, of Abraham and Sarah, you know that God calls them, they go to the place where God calls them, to now, what now is Israel, and, and then... Um, but then he makes all these incredibly dumb mistakes at times. And what we see is this amazing picture of Sarah supporting her husband in the midst of him making some incredibly dumb choices. Uh, and, and, and the thing that it becomes is this, is that, and you say, well, why would she listen to him if he's making a dumb choice? Because she knew that her, she was accountable. She was not accountable for the outcomes of Abraham's decisions. She was simply accountable to say, I'm going to support my husband because that's what I'm called to do. Abraham is the one who is the responsible party for the outcome of the decisions and what it is that happens. Now, let me kind of explain that this way. And this is kind of the tension because the tension that we have is, is that as human beings, we love control. All of us do. Uh, every, I've never met a person who says, ah, I don't care. You know, like, you know, like we do that with things that don't really matter. But when it comes to the important stuff, we want to just take hold and take charge and all that. So if I can ask a question, uh, how many of you can, uh, like roller coasters? Can I ask you that? Okay, wow. So many people that have uh, problems. Um, how many of you would say, I don't like roller coasters? See, these are the normal people. All right, pray for everybody else. Um, uh, and some of you, like, you didn't answer to either, and that's because they didn't have roller coasters in Cuba. Um, but, eso no se en Cuba. And uh, anyway, as you're here for a while, you'll, you'll learn about those. And uh, so... All right, so my mom, I spent the day with my mom yesterday, and uh, I, I, my mom has this picture in her house of Carrie and I riding Splash Mountain when it first opened. And now there's two things that you need to know. My wife loves roller coasters, loves roller coasters. And uh, just, the, the, I don't understand people, like, like, I don't understand, like, I just love the feeling of impending death. You know, like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, and uh, I, I don't like uh, roller coasters at all. And... Um, but if you look at the picture, the thing that I always, I always think about this whenever I see that picture, is that we're in the front row. And I'm like, because I, and I remember being there and asking her, like, do we want to go in the front? And she's like, oh yeah, it's way more fun in the front. Like, I'm pretty sure that's not right. And she's like, well, where do you want to sit? And I'm like, listen, I want to sit in the gift shop, but apparently that's not on the table. 
So she, I'm like, all right, so I'm just going to like be a good sport. And, uh, and, I, and I sit on the front row. But, you know, when you see the picture, it tells the whole story. Carrie is in the front row, and she's like this. Hands up, smiling, laughing, and here's me. <clears throat> All right, I'm holding that bar with the death grip, okay? And now, this is the thing that's amazing. Now, everyone I know that doesn't really like roller coasters is the same thing. You're going, somehow, someone talked you into it, and they said, no, 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 this one's not that bad. That's what they always say. This one's not that bad. You only feel like you're dying for like five minutes as opposed to seven. And, uh, but what everybody does is that they just grab that bar. Now, let me just tell you as a bar grabber, you know if that thing flips over, it's not going to help you. You know, everyone died except for this one man, this one courageous man who held onto the bar until the bitter end. You know, it doesn't work. If it's going down, it's all going down. And so, and so here, here's, here's the thing that happens. Like, there's nothing rational about holding onto the bar, but there's just this thing about about desiring control, even if it doesn't make sense. Now, here's, here's, um, here's what my wife would tell you. My wife would tell you that the joy is in letting go. That, my friends, is the challenge of, of godly submission. You see, godly submission is not agreement on all matters. You know, it's not whatever you like, whatever you like. You know, it's, it's not that. Um, instead, it is a submission. A Christian couple has a mission to glorify God. And to be a picture of who God is in, to a world that doesn't know him. And when a wife submits to her husband, when a husband loves God and will sacrifice for the sake of his wife and for his family, they are submitting to God's mission. And to the degree that a wife will say, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to submit to my husband. Not, not because it's easy or because he always makes the right choice. But because I know it's what God's called me to do, then here's what's going to happen. Because it's a picture of Jesus. Jesus submitting to his father and saying, I'm going to go to the cross. That being a godly husband is a picture of who God is. It's, a, it's Jesus saying that I love th- that my, the church, which the Bible calls his bride, that much that he's willing to die. That see, both of them together, as they model Jesus, they become a picture of who God is. And that's the thing that Peter brings up next. I want you to look at the next verse in verse 7 of 1 Peter. Here's what he says. He says, Husbands likewise, dwell with them, your wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as to being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, um, here's, here's the last thing I want to show you in your outline, and that is this, that men are called to loving leadership. Loving leadership. Um, some of you guys know Ivan, who plays uh, here in the band. He plays keyboard, and then he also checks his email uh, while, while he's, he's playing. Actually, I'm not even really sure what happens back there, but it sounds good, so I don't say anything. But, uh, and, uh, but what some of you guys don't know is that um, Ivan is actually a Grammy-nominated record producer, and uh, so he's a very talented guy. But he also um, is part of this really great studio that's been in Miami for a long time. So he calls me, a couple, a couple months ago, he calls me, he says, Bob, I have excellent news. And I said, what? He says, the drummer of your favorite band is coming to the studio um, on Friday to record these, lay down these drum tracks. And I'm like, one, are you joking with me? No, I'm not joking with you. Two, uh, and he's like, listen, come by, you can meet him. Um, you know, you'll probably be able to play with him. By the way, check that off the bucket list. Um, and so, I mean, this is like a huge thing. I'm so excited. I can't wait for Friday to come. And so, um, 
And, and so, I mean, literally, I'm like coming unglued. I'm learning all these old songs that I can play. I mean, I've been a fan of this band since I was like 13 years old, and I saw them on MTV. I bought a bass guitar because I wanted to be like their bass player. And then I was able, I met their bass player a couple years ago, totally random meeting. I have that picture in my office, like a, a foot away from me. Anyway, it's a big, it's a big deal. So this guy, um, it's a big thing, you know. So uh, Friday morning comes, comes around. And Carrie wakes up feeling horrible. I mean, she's feeling terrible. And we have three kids. Um, so my house is basically a controlled circus at all, t- at all times. And uh, so she, she wakes up terrible. My oldest daughter, Mia, doesn't feel well. And, uh, and then my youngest daughter is about 13 months old at the time. And then um, uh, Xander is three. And so, we, um, so Ivan calls me and he says, hey, I want you to know that Nico is going to be um, at the studio around uh, 2 o'clock. And I'm like, okay. And, uh, and I said, but here's the thing. Um, I can't go. And he's like, I'm sorry. You broke up right there because it sounded like you said you can't go. And I know that's not what you said. What, did you, what happened? And I'm like, dude, I, I, I can't go. And he's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. I, um, I can't. Uh, my, Carrie is wiped out totally. Mia's sick. And it's just not the right thing for me, for me to go. And um, and. and and, and, and he's like, man, I, I, I respect that. That's the right thing. And um, now Carrie is telling me to go. She's like, Bob, you got to go, you know. And she sounds like she smokes three packs a day. And I'm like, you know, first of all, no. Um, and, and, and second, you know, and I'm like, listen, I just, that's not what a loving husband does. I don't, I don't leave you sick with three kids, you know, because you, if you're a mom, you, you know that you don't get sick days. Heck, you don't even get bathroom breaks, uh, you know. And so, you know, you know that that's not not gonna not gonna work. And so now, I tell you this, and I, by the way, I don't tell you this because it's like, oh, you know, I'm perfect or anything. If my wife was up here, and and uh, you know, my wife could tell you stories for the next two hours about dumb choices I've made in the last 16 years that we've been married. So I got one good one. So you know, like, relax, let me use it. Uh, so, but but the other thing is this: is that. Um, if you want your wife to be like what we just talked about, like, you know, that she's going to follow your lead and she's going to support you and all that, we've got, you've got to be the wife that Peter talks about here. When he says, husband, dwell with them in accordance to understanding, giving honor to your wife. When Jesus, um, or when the Apostle Paul talks about husbands and wives, he says this in your notes. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. How did, he, how did he love the church? Did he just say, you know, just write a card, Jesus? You know, I just want you to know I love you. No, that's not what he did. He gave himself. It was crucifixion, sacrifice, death to himself for the benefit of the bride. You see, guys, lots of, lots of men love the wives submit to your husband's part. In fact, some guys, that's the only verse in the Bible they have memorized. I don't know much about the Bible, but I do know who said that. And, uh, and so that's, but, but here's the thing. But some guys make it impossible for their wives to really support them and follow their lead because, you know, they just make these horrific, these, you know, these horrendous decisions. Guys, your job is to be like Jesus to your wife. It's to be sacrificial and self-denying, that kind of leadership. That's the kind of love that we're talking about. We're called to die to ourselves for the sake of our wives. You see, most I've never talked to a husband that has said, that has not said to me that he would give his life for his wife. Every husband that I've talked to said if the moment came, I would gladly give my life for my wife. But see, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about something else. 
I'm not saying would you die for your wife. I'm saying would you die to yourself for the sake of your wife and your family. That's the kind of sacrifice and the kind of loving leadership that we're talking about. And guys, listen, the the women who struggle with submission um, are are women who have a husband that doesn't look anything like Jesus. So what, what um, what does loving leadership look like? Okay, it's going to be three things, all right? Let me give you the first one. The first one is this, is that loving leadership is, number one, godly decision-making. It's that you as a husband are actively and seriously seeking God's will in the decisions that you make. And that you're looking for decisions that, that honor God and for the best for your family. Listen, and if your wife knows that you are praying the, uh, about the decisions that you need to make and that you're getting godly and wise counsel, she'll follow you. But if the only decisions that we make are ones that only benefit ourselves, she's going to struggle with trusting you. If you say, well, you know, I've been praying about it, and I know that God's will is for me to take money out of the savings account so I can buy more memory for the Xbox. I know that's what God wants. Uh, You know, once again, you're probably going to, she's probably going to struggle. And by the way, you know, since I mentioned that, um, you know, among Christian counselors, what kind of the biggest issue is right now? that uh, in counseling is guys who are caught up in video games. This is like, like epic proportions, right? Um, I, I shared this about a year ago, but I'll share it again. Um, I read this study uh, last year from the UK that asked this question. Uh, would, and this was part of the study. Would you rather have sex with your wife tonight or play video games tonight? 32% said play video games. Now, guys, if we can talk for a moment... Um, if I cannot understand the man who says, boy, I can have an intimate relationship with my wife or I could spend an evening with Super Mario. That to me doesn't seem like a, that's, you know, by the way, do you know what Super Mario's trying to do in the game? Get the princess. That's what he's trying to do. He's not trying to say, hey, Luigi, let's hang out tonight. He's like, I'm getting this princess and I'm out of here. Oh, that's, that's his deal. And, um, now listen, I have no problem with video games, if you're 12. Um, but listen, what I see, listen, what I see a lot of times is, is, um, is men who don't act like men. Honestly, they, they're just kind of like mama's boys. And, 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 now, and I know, listen, I know, I'm, I know I'm being a little tough, right? But you guys are men, you can handle this. Now let me just say this. Um, and this is one of the things that I see, like, like if... Um, you say, well, you know, the way I get up in the morning is that my wife has to get up 15 minutes before, and then um, I have to smell the aroma of the Folgers crystals, and then that's and then uh, then that's how I'm able to wake up. Like, dude, you don't want a wife; you want a mom, you know. And uh, happy Mother's Day, by the way. Um, and uh, right, and, and that's you know, and it's like, well, and then when it's all the big responsibilities, I just kind of like have her deal with it, and, and then all the like tough stuff, uh, uh, that's, you know, like, listen, you, you, you don't want a wife, you, you want, you know, a mom, and, and, but that's not what you're called to. God's calling you and I to step up and lead. The Bible says this, um, it's in the last verse in your outline, it says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put childish things behind me. A godly man, here's what he does, he sacrifices for uh, his, his wife, for his family, he sacrifices his wants, his des- dreams, his desires um, for the sake of what's best for his wife and for his family. Here's the second thing that, that Peter tells us to do uh, in these verses. He says, wives dwell with them with understanding. So here's the second thing is understand her. Understand her. 
That means that you need to have a PhD, PhD in your wifeology. My goal in life is to have an upper, you know, I mean, to have, I mean, like at the highest levels, right? Multiple graduate degrees in caryology. I don't need to understand every other woman, nor do I want to understand every other woman. I think that's impossible. I also think it could be deadly. And, uh, but I do want to understand my wife because I'm called to it. A few months ago, uh, my wife was bathing the kids, and she said, hey, while I'm bathing the kids, can you go to Publix and pick up a couple of things? And I said, sure. And, uh, and I said, hey, while I'm at, now, i got to tell you this. Um, I am a huge, huge fan. I mean, like, if there was a club, I would join. Um, I am a huge fan of Publix cake. All right? Now, the thing about any fans of Publix cake that we will admit, yeah, let's start a club. All right? All right. And here's the thing. The thing about Publix cake is, is that, um, you know, like the vanilla cake, right, with the, with the buttercream tastes just like Twinkies. Just like Twinkies. And here's the thing. By the way, they're coming back. Twinkies are coming back in July. Glory to God. All right. We know that is manna from heaven. And uh, so, <laughs> so here's the thing. Now, the cool thing about, the cool thing about Publix cake is if you're, if you're eating a Twinkie, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry for you, uh, even though everybody knows they're awesome. But if you eat a Publix, like you're eating like a Publix cake, they're like, oh, that's cool, piece of cake, you know, it's fine. So anyway, it's just like, hey, don't judge me, all right? But so anyway, so I'm on my way to, um, to, to Publix, and I'm like, hey, Carrie, uh, I'm going to buy a piece of Publix cake, because by the way, you can't buy a whole Publix cake, at least not in my house. You buy a whole Publix cake, you're going to have like an empty shell in a matter of hours. So what, the, what my Publix do, the one right up here, is um, they actually do it by the slice, just for the gluttons. Like, hey, just one at a time, buddy, just relax. You know, we'll just, you know, do this nice and easy. So anyway, so they sell it by the slice, so I can just buy one slice and not go nuts, uh, even though I do chew on the plastic a little bit, once anyone knows. Um, so <laughs> what happens is this. Is that I, uh, so I say, Carrie, do you want a piece of cake um, later? And she says, no. And I'm like, now, Carrie, please understand. Please understand. If you say no, I will buy one piece of cake for myself. And there's, you know, no tradies back. We're not going to share. You know my feelings on that. And, uh, you know, and so we're going to do, do this whole thing. So please, do you want a piece of cake? No, no, I'm fine. Like, Carrie, listen, I'm leaving now. I'm just going to ask one more time. Like, because I'm going to buy one piece of cake. And I just don't, I don't want to hear about remorse. I don't want to hear about I should have. Oh, but don't fall. No, no, no. Just tell me. No, I, Bob, I don't want I don't know how much clear I can tell you. I don't want a piece of cake. Okay. So I leave. I go to Publix. I get the stuff. Um, I get the stuff that I need. And then when the kids go to sleep and we're laying in bed, we're going to watch TV. I'm like, hey, before you put on the show, I'm going to go get my piece of cake so I can eat it. And she says, hey, um, did you get me one? And I'm like, no, why would I have bought you one? You told me not to get you one. Yeah, but I figured even if I said no, that you'd still get me one. And I'm like, Carrie, in what universe does that make sense? I asked you three times if you want a piece of cake. And you said no. Yeah, but you should have known that I would still want one, so we'll just share yours. Oh, I'm sorry, sister. That ain't going to work for me. Because I don't share cake. And I said, Carrie, 
an hour ago, you could have said, I don't want a piece of cake. I want an entire sheet cake, and I would have bought it for you. But I have my cake. And there is nothing in the Bible that says I got to give you cake. And if you find it, I will do it, but I know it ain't there because I took the class, and it ain't there. So anyway, so, and she's like, well, you know. So anyway, so I go to the kitchen. I get the cake. I come back, and I bring her the piece that I bought for her. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, and then she says to me, how did you know? And I said, baby, because I understand you're kind of crazy. I speak your crazy language. But I do need to understand one thing. How will I know when I don't want cake? Really means I don't want cake. And how will I know when I don't want cake really means, yes, buy me a piece of cake. And she says, yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> Point taken. Now, I have a theory. I don't, none of this is in the Bible, but I have a theory. And that is that Carrie didn't want to say she wanted a piece of cake. What she wanted was to be surprised by a piece of cake. Because the cake had a representation that I was thinking of her at a specific moment. And then as I was thinking of her at a specific moment, the evidence of that was that I brought the cake. Now, for the record, men do not operate like this. Cake has no hidden meaning. Cake is just cake. That's it. Hey, you got a piece of cake. Awesome. That's where it ends. Dude. All right. You know, that's where it goes. That's as far as it goes. It's not like, well, I know the buttercream said the words that your heart wanted to speak. That's not what we think. Like, right? Men do not think that way. A cake is just a cake. But, you know, now, but for my wife, that's not like the cake. It's not even just the cake. It's that I knew some, even though when she said no, I knew what it really meant. Right? Like when I buy my wife a gift, I bought her, my, my wife a gift um, from the kids and all that for Mother's Day. And, and so the first thing that she asks after I got her this gift is she goes, when did you buy the gift? I, I bought it on Tuesday. And, uh, and she's like, oh, that was the day that you had lunch there. And then you went across the street and then you bought the thing and then you drove back to the office. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> That's like exactly how it happened. In, in fact, I, I picked a lunch location based on where I was going after. Because I like to keep everything real tight. Uh, and, and so, and she's like, that's so sweet. I could also drive across town, but I, I just did it that way. You know, and, and, and so for Carrie, it's never the thing. It's the story behind the thing that makes the thing have meaning. That's madness. It's madness. And I can say that because she was in the first service. Um, but, but to her, it makes sense. And I understand that kind of crazy. I understand it. And, uh, but see, you got to understand your wife's kind of crazy. Or, you know, like the language that she speaks. And by the way, because she understands your kind of crazy. Like the kind of crazy that you talk. And that kind of makes sense to her. And like, see, because here's the thing. So for you, and by the way, if you've never read the book, Five Love Languages, you got to just buy that and read it. It'll, it'll, it's a, if it, yeah, there we go. That's the fan club. Um, 
It's a, it's a fantastic book that will just so help your marriage. Um, but it really helped me in just understanding my wife, and it helped my wife in understanding me. Um, that, but for, for your spouse, you know what it might be? That she's like a stickler about you not staying at work too late. And it really has nothing about her, you know, not wanting you to excel in, in your career and all that. But see, she experiences love when, when you spend time with her. So that day that you took the day off just to spend the day with her, it means more than any gift, any card, any present could ever communicate. But you've just got to understand her. You've got to understand, um, and that's why he says, you know, dwell with them according to understanding. You've got to decide as, as a husband, I am going to understand this woman better than anyone else in the world. Here's the third thing. This is the last one. And that is a servant-hearted attitude. A servant-hearted attitude. This is how a man leads through service. Guys, if you want your wife to follow your lead in your home, be a servant. When you get home, get involved. And that is that you, you help feed the kids, you help get them bathed, you help to put them to bed, you spend time with them. Uh, maybe you get, get involved in some dishes or some cleanup or whatever. And, and, and the reason is, is that um, she wants to know, and your actions are going to prove, but she wants to know, I mean, can I trust him? If I just let him take the lead, I mean, can I trust him? And will he put the needs of our family above his own desires? And guys, I know that this, this is a stretch for some. But here's what I know to be true. And before I was married, I didn't really understand it. And now it just makes all the sense in the world. But if you will dedicate yourself to serving this woman, to lovingly serve this woman and your family, that that's how you lead them is through, is through service, um, it will bring you more joy than you could possibly imagine. You see, too many couples misunderstand the purpose of marriage. And that's why they're unhappy. That's why they have all these expectations that are unmet. And what we have to understand is say, well, why'd you get married? Well, I just, I wanted someone that would make me happy. Well, see, that's where we missed it. Because no human person is ever going to make you happy. You see, if you're going to find unspeakable joy, that's found in relationship to your heavenly father. And then it's not two people saying, you've got to make me happy. That's the goal of your life. It's not going to work. Instead, it's got to be two people saying our goal is to honor God and be connected to him. And the closer that we get to him is the closer that we get to each other. Because my friends, marriage was not created or intended to make us happy. It was intended to make us holy, to make us more like the God who loves us. Because that person that you're married to, that person is the main instrument that God is using to sand off the rough edges of your life and make you look more like Jesus. And if we are going to have a marriage that lasts a lifetime, then we've got to put Jesus at the center of our marriage. Make our lives, lives that seek to model Jesus in the role and responsibilities that he's given to us. And it's then that we'll experience the unspeakable joy that God talks about. Let's pray together. And Lord, we want to thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for um, the incredible men and women that you've put into our lives, the husbands, the wives. And I pray, Lord, I pray a blessing on every married couple here. And I just ask God that you would draw them closer together as they draw closer to you. And knowing, Lord, that some are here that don't even know you yet. And God, maybe today would be the day that they'd make a decision to take a step in your direction and that you would do a work in them that changes them not only for time, but for also for eternity. 
God, may this be a holy moment where you do a work in many hearts and many lives. In Jesus' name.